Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and if you're hearing me right now, it's likely because you've fallen victim to one of Ellen's shameless plugs. Hey! Hmm? No, okay. I can't actually argue with that. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we discussed Chapter 11, The Firebolt, and the fact that it didn't really have any corresponding film scenes. Caps Lock Harry peeked out of his invisibility cloak and saw his shadow, indicating six more weeks of winter. Hagrid's throbbing moans had everybody worried, including the reader. Hermione was suspicious of Harry's broom benefactor, while Ron was suspicious of Hermione's rat-fixated feline. Yet no one seemed suspicious of the overly sensitive sneakoscope. Christmas brought crackers, much to Dumbledore's excitement and Snape's chagrin. McGonagall brought the sass, much to our excitement and Trelawney's chagrin. And Harry's broom was confiscated. Unless you were watching the movie, in which case, none of this happened. During episode 50, Inner Black Eye, we had two Potter ponderings. We asked how you felt about this entire chapter being left out of the movie. Carly said that she was so upset because she loves Christmas chapters. Dave just said it's going to be a very short episode. It's definitely shorter than our episodes have been lately, but we still managed to get a solid 43 minutes out of it. Well, we are really good at talking. Yay bullshitting! Yay indeed. Quincy said it's just another case of Harry Potter and the shitty fucking montage and shared a gif of Forrest Gump saying, that's all I have to say about that. That's very nice, Forrest Gump. Thanks. Well done. Jackson thinks it's absolutely ridiculous. Like the Secret Keeper info, it's one of the most important plot points of the book. Mag said, since this is when the film started leaving out the Quidditch matches, he doesn't think it really mattered that they left out the Firebolt chapter. It was a bit more fulfilling having it brought in at the end as a gift knowing that it was from Sirius Black, rather than having an awkward line at the end explaining that the ridiculously expensive present Harry got was from Sirius. Yeah, since they all but left Quidditch out of the movies, having him receive the Firebolt for Christmas wasn't really necessary for how they chose to go with the story. But it was still a bummer it was left out. I agree. Mm -hmm. Our other Potter pondering was just for funsies. We also wanted to know how you would react if you were sent an insanely expensive gift anonymously. Carly said that she would think clearly this expensive gift was not actually meant for her. She said she'd go around asking, was it for you? Or maybe you? Where's the damn card? This can't be for me. Quincy said if someone were to send him an expensive-ass gift, he would accept it graciously, seeing as he's always wanted a sugar daddy. <laughs> Just kidding. He then adds, don't be a fucking creeper. Put your name on it so I can marry the sender. It's legit. Checks out. Yeah. yeah. Jackson said he'd just keep it. Max said that if someone sent him a present like that, he'd just hope it was from Daddy Draco. <laughs> there you go. You and me both, Max. Thank you all for sharing your thoughts with us. Our trivia question last week was, in the book, when do they schedule Harry's first anti-dementor lesson with Professor Lupin? The lesson was scheduled for Thursday at 8 p.m., 
Lupin said they could meet in the History of Magic classroom since it should be big enough. Congratulations goes to Just Keep Rolling. I mean, Max Nash. (laughs) This is his seventh week in a row, and he is only one week away from tying Quincy's eight-week streak. Quincy has re-entered the fray and is doing everything he can to hold on to it. For starters, he made the point that he was the first person to answer under his own actual name. Just so you know how that happened, I added a couple of our patrons to our Facebook page as editors, so they can help us share fun Harry Potter posts and games and whatnot. And Max didn't realize he had to switch his name back over to Max before answering, so when he did, it came up as Just Keep Rolling. Also, just to be clear, this does not give him any extra or early access to information about the trivia question. We keep all of that elsewhere, where he is not an editor. But he can't reply to the post until it posts, just like everyone else. It just looked really super suspicious. <laughs> really super suspicious. Awkward. For reals. Quincy also argued that his response was much more detailed than Max's, since he specified that Harry's first anti-dementor lesson was at 8 o'clock Thursday evening after Christmas break early in January. We had already stated in the previous episode that the lessons would have to wait until after break, so all we were really looking for was Thursday at 8 o'clock, and Max was the first one to post that, even if he had the mix-up as to who he was posting as. The debate actually went on for several posts, even continued into our patron-only chat group, so tension is definitely getting high as Max nears Quincy's record. What's gonna happen? Will Quincy stop Max? Will Max tie Quincy? Will someone else, maybe Dave, sweep in and take the win? I guess we'll find out, won't we? Yep. I'm so excited. (laughs) This week was such an awesome and hilarious win. But it did make us consider changing the time that our episode drops to see if we can make it happen at a time that more people can try to answer the trivia questions. So I'm going to make a poll on our Facebook page to figure out what time, based on Eastern Standard Time, would be best to get the most people playing along. So head to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and let us know what time you think would be best and we will adjust things accordingly. For now, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 12, The Patronus and its corresponding film scenes. Chapter 12, The Patronus. Harry knows Hermione meant well, but he's still angry with her. He doesn't know if he will ever see his firebolt again and is worried about what state it will be in after being subjected to all the anti-jinx tests. Ron is also furious with Hermione, and she starts avoiding the common room for the rest of the holidays. They are glad when the other students start to return, and the common room becomes crowded again. Oliver Wood finds Harry to talk to him about avoiding a repeat of their last match, and to see if he's ordered a new broom yet. Harry tells him Professor Lupin is going to train him to warn off the Dementors, and Ron tells Wood about the firebolt that Harry got for Christmas. Wood is really excited until Harry tells him that it's been confiscated, since Sirius Black is supposed to be after him, so McGonagall thinks it needs to be checked for jinxes. Wood says that he will talk to McGonagall and make her see reason, since she wants Gryffindor to win as much as they do. When lessons start back up, Professor Trelawney has them learning palmistry and wastes no time in informing Harry that he has the shortest lifelines she's ever seen. But after defense against the dark arts, Harry reminds Lupin of the anti-dementor lessons and they schedule one for 8 o'clock on Sunday evening in the History of Magic classroom. As they leave, 
Ron comments that he still looks ill and wonders what's wrong with him. Hermione is nearby, repacking her bag, and gives a loud t, saying, isn't it obvious? Ron doesn't think she actually knows, and is just trying to get them to speak to her again. At 8 o'clock on Thursday evening, Harry heads to the History of Magic classroom. Five minutes later, Lupin shows up with a large packing case carrying another bogart, so that Harry can practice on it when it turns into a Dementor. Lupin begins the lesson by explaining to Harry that there is a very advanced spell well beyond ordinary wizarding level called the Patronus Charm. He says that when it works correctly, it conjures up a Patronus, or a kind of anti-Dementor that acts as a shield from the Dementor. He describes it as a positive force that cannot feel despair so it's unaffected by the Dementors. He warns Harry that it might be too advanced for him, but Harry just wants to know what a Patronus looks like. Lupin tells Harry that each is unique to the wizard who conjures it. They are conjured with an incantation while focusing on a single, very happy memory. Harry thinks about his happy memories and settles on the first time he wrote a broom. Lupin teaches him the incantation, Expecto Patronum, and Harry practices saying it a couple of times in a little silvery wisp whooshed from the end of his wand. Harry is excited and Lupin asks if he's ready to try it on a Dementor. Harry says yes and grips his wand tighter as Lupin releases the Bogart and a Dementor glides up from the box. Harry feels the piercing cold and yells, Expecto Patronum! a couple of times before he starts to feel like he's falling through fog and hears his mother's voice again. He hears Lupin call his name and finds himself lying on the floor. Lupin gives him a chocolate frog and asks if he wants to continue. Harry insists that he does, so Lupin advises him to select a different happy memory. Harry thinks and settles on the time that Gryffindor won the House Cup. Once ready, Lupin lifts the lid again and the Dementor rises out of the box. Harry again yells, Expecto Patronum, but this time he can hear a man's voice tell Lily to take Harry and go. Lupin has to tap him hard on the face to wake him up and Harry tells him that he heard his dad. Lupin responds in a strange voice, saying, You heard James? And Harry realizes that Lupin must have known his father and asks about it. Lupin tells him that they were friends at Hogwarts and suggests leaving the lesson there for now. Harry begs him to give him one more go, saying his memory must not have been happy enough. He racks his brain and remembers the moment he first found out he was a wizard and would be leaving the Dursleys for Hogwarts. He gets to his feet and faces the packing case once more. Lupin again lifts the lid and this time, when Harry screams Expecto Patronum, the screaming sounds more distant, and a huge silver shadow bursts out from his wand and hovers between him and the Dementor. He holds it until Lupin steps forward and says ridiculous, sending the Bogart back into the case, once again having turned into a silvery orb. He tells Harry that he did an excellent job and denies him when he asks for another go, giving him a large bar of Honeyduke's chocolate. They plan on the same time next week, but before Harry leaves, he hesitates, and asks Lupin if he knew Sirius Black as well. Lupin seems tense about this question, but says that he knew him, or thought he knew him, then sends Harry off since it's getting late. Full of chocolate and half-wishing he could hear his parents' voices again, Harry heads back to his common room. A week after term starts back up, Slytherin narrowly beats Ravenclaw in Quidditch, which is good news for Gryffindor. Wood increases their practices to five times a week, leaving Harry only one night to do his homework. Even with all that, he still isn't as strained as Hermione, whose immense workload finally seems to be getting to her. Ron wonders how she's getting to all of her classes, since half of them are all at the same time, and she apparently hasn't missed any of them. 
Harry doesn't have the time to fathom Hermione's schedule and continues to try working on Snape's essay, but within minutes, he's interrupted again, this time by Wood, who came to tell him that McGonagall said Harry can't have the broom back yet. So he thinks it's time Harry orders a different broom, suggesting he gets a Nimbus 2001 like Malfoy has. Harry refuses to buy anything Malfoy thinks is good. As the match draws closer, Harry still hasn't ordered a new broom and has taken to asking McGonagall if he can have the firebolt back after every transfiguration lesson. After the twelfth time of telling him no, she tells him to stop badgering her she will tell him as soon as they are finished. On top of that, Harry isn't making as much progress as he would like during his anti-dementor lessons, even though Lupin thinks he's expecting too much of himself. Harry is able to consistently produce an indistinct Patronus, which is a huge achievement for a 13-year-old wizard. He feels confident that Harry will be able to keep a Dementor away long enough to safely make it to the ground during the match if he needs to. He offers Harry a drink, assuming he's never had it before, and without thinking, Harry says, Butterbeer, yeah, I like that stuff and then covers by saying Ron and Hermione brought him some back from Hogsmeade. As they drink, Harry asks what's under a Dementor's hood, and Lupin explains the only people who really know can't tell them, because Dementors only lower their hoods to use their last and worst weapon, called the Dementor's Kiss. They clamp their jaws onto the mouth of the victim and suck out the soul. It's worse than death because they're still alive, but only as an empty shell with their soul lost forever. Lupin tells Harry that it's the fate that awaits Sirius Black, and Harry comments that he thinks he deserves it. He doesn't say anything else since he doesn't want to give away that he's snuck to Hogsmeade, so he just finishes his butterbeer and heads back to his common room. On the way, he nearly runs right into Professor McGonagall, who's looking for him so she can finally return the firebolt. Harry can hardly believe it. McGonagall tells him to get the feel of it before the match so they can win or they will be out of the running for the eighth year in a row, as Snape reminded her last night. Harry rushes back to the common room and meets with Ron, who's hurrying towards him, excited that he got it back and asking if he can have a go on it the next day. Harry agrees and says they should make up with Hermione since she was only trying to help. Ron says she's in the common room and they head back to the portrait to find Neville being refused entrance by Sir Cadogan. He's saying that he wrote the passwords down but must have dropped them somewhere. He's been having a hard time keeping them straight since Sir Cadogan keeps changing them. Harry says the password, Odds Bodikins, and they all head through the portrait hole to find themselves greeted by a bunch of Gryffindors excited over the firebolt. After ten minutes of showing it off and passing it around, Harry and Ron approach Hermione and tell her nothing was wrong with it. Hermione says at least he knows it's safe. Ron offers to take the broom upstairs while he goes to give Scabbers his rat tonic, and Harry sits down with Hermione. While he's asking her how she's getting through all her work, Ron comes barreling back into the room, dragging a bedsheet and yelling about finding blood on it. He's screaming that Scabbers is gone and shows them that he found several long ginger cat hairs by the scene. The movie section opens on a close-up of bits of green grass and white flowers popping up through the melting snow with a yellow butterfly and dripping water. It then cuts to the melting snow and ice dripping off the branches of the Whomping Willow. Then it switches to a wide shot of the tree as it shakes the snow off and Lupin's voiceover greets Harry. The scene changes to a shot of Lupin leaning against a railing between two stone pillars looking down towards the camera and asking Harry if he is sure he wants to do this, since it is very advanced magic. Harry says that he is sure, and Lupin says that everything is prepared. As he starts to walk down the stairs to the lower level of the room, he says that the spell he is going to try and teach him is called the Patronus Charm, which is a kind of positive force that works like a shield from the Dementor for the person who can conjure one. 
In order for it to work, Harry needs to think of a memory, a very happy, powerful memory. Lupin asks Harry if he can do this, and Harry says yes, so he tells him to close his eyes and concentrate, exploring his past for a memory. He instructs Harry to allow it to fill him up and lose himself in it, then speak the incantation, Expecto Patronum. Harry repeats the incantation, and Lupin praises him as he moves over to a large trunk. He says, shall we, and tells Harry to have his wand at the ready. Harry pulls out his wand and Lupin waves his hand over the trunk, causing it to magically open. He lifts the lid and a Dementor glides up and looms over Harry, who points his wand and calls Expecto Patronum. The flames on several spine candles blow out and the Dementor leans in towards Harry as he struggles to repeat the spell. The camera starts to iris in as Harry hears his mother scream his name again before he collapses and everything goes black. As Lupin helps Harry up, the scene opens with an iris out. He tells him that he didn't expect him to do it the first time and gives him chocolate to eat, so he feels better. Harry calls it a nasty Dementor, and Lupin tells him that it isn't a Dementor at all, it's a Boggart. Lupin relights the spine candles and explains to Harry that the real thing would be much worse. He asks him what memory he was thinking of, and Harry says he was thinking of the first time he rode a broom. Lupin tells him that isn't nearly good enough, and Harry sighs, then walks over to stand by one of the spine candles. As Lupin watches in the background, Harry shares that there is another memory. He plays with a candle flame and explains that though it's not exactly happy, it's the happiest he's ever felt, but it's complicated. Lupin asks if it's strong, and Harry turns towards him and nods, so they decide to give it another try. Harry raises his wand again, and Lupin opens the trunk. The Boggart Dementor rises from it once more and hovers towards Harry, who says, Expecto Patronum. He yells it once more, and a brilliant white light emanates from the end of his wand, forcing the Dementor backward. It struggles against the light barrier as Harry forces it back into the trunk, and Lupin laughs and lowers the lid, telling Harry that was well done. Harry says that he thinks he has had enough for the day, and Lupin offers him more chocolate, telling him to eat it because it really helps. He also tells Harry that he thinks he would have given his father a run for his money, which is really saying something. Lupin sits down next to him and Harry says that he was thinking of his father and his mom, seeing their faces. They were talking to him, and he doesn't even know if it's real, but it's the best he has. The camera switches angles to behind the pair sitting next to one another and zooms out. So, in this section, we have quite a bit that happens in the movie scene. Unlike last week. And unlike next week's. Mm, yeah, there's that too. But there are still some details that had to be left out, mostly because they built upon everything that happened in the last chapter. And, of course, there is also the typical streamlining and changing of details. Of course. Mm -hmm. The book starts out talking about how Harry and Ron are angry with Hermione for getting the broom confiscated. Ron is actually upgraded to being furious with her, but I imagine that her cat regularly attacking his rat amplified that for him. Yeah, and since Harry never received the firebolt as a Christmas present in the movie... And we didn't have any of the additional attacks by Crookshanks on Scabbers. This detail really can't be included. Neither can Hermione's conviction that she acted for the best in her avoidance of the common room for the rest of the holidays. Which is really sad if you think about it. This all happened on the evening of Christmas Day. Then she has to spend the rest of the holidays alone, likely in the library. Yeah, that sucks. That sucks a lot. Especially because there's nobody else. Nobody. In the cast. There was 12 people at dinner. I mean, maybe sake. she got a bunch of work done. 
But I mean, I'm sure she did, but still. That's but, still a really lonely way to spend the holidays. She yeah. chose to stay at school to keep Harry company and, and not go see her parents. And how much work can you get done when you're like preoccupied right? by the fact that your friends are kind of being dicks yet again? Yeah. Poor Hermione. It's very rare that I feel for her, but I do feel for her yeah. here. We also get completely bilked out of some more fanatical all of her wood scenes. The first one is when he returns from the holidays and seeks out Harry, managing to ask him if he's had a good Christmas, but not managing to wait for a response before he launches right into talking about Quidditch, bringing up the Dementors and saying they can't afford another match like the one against Hufflepuff. Which couldn't be included since the movie did us dirty and wrote Oliver Wood out completely. Right? Harry mentions that Professor Lupin is going to train him to ward off Dementors, and then Wood asks if he's ordered a new broom. At this point, Ron pipes up and shares that Harry got a firebolt for Christmas. Which obviously, you know, couldn't be included since the movie didn't give Harry a firebolt for Christmas. Yeah, but in the book, Oliver Wood got so excited that he wasn't even phased when Harry informs him that the broom was confiscated to be checked for jinxes, because Sirius Black is supposed to be after him, so McGonagall reckons he might have sent it. Wood just waves that information aside and says that Black's on the run. How could he have gone into quality Quidditch supplies and bought a broom? He says he will go talk to McGonagall and honestly thinks that he's going to make her see reason. This. This is one of those amazing fanatic moments of Wood's that I would have loved to see come to life on screen. Like, I can just picture the gleam in his eye over the news of a real firebolt on his Quidditch team, and the devastation that would follow when hearing it was confiscated, not to mention the maniacal quality I think he'd take on while talking about making McGonagall see sense. Like a firebolt, after all, guys! A fire, fucking firebolt! You're not getting it in a firebolt! Because, you know, poison their sports ball. <laughs> There's an even better one later in this chapter that I'm more upset about not getting to see. So we'll get to that. We usually do. For now, the book summarizes the return to classes after the holidays. There was an awesome bit about their Care of Magical Creatures class with Hagrid, who provided a bonfire full of salamanders that they collected dry wood and leaves for. It was described as an unusually good lesson, so that must have been nice for Hagrid's morale, since he was worrying about that in the previous chapter. Yeah, it's like you were saying, Hagrid is actually a good teacher, he just lacks the confidence. Yeah. In addition to a student injured in his first class, in general, it's his first year teaching, and let me tell you what, the first year is always the worst. Mm -hmm. It can be downright awful at times. It honestly can feel like figuring out what doesn't work so you never do that again, as opposed to doing it right. <laughs> I feel like Hagrid was going through that, and then Draco's injury made it even worse. Well, especially with the way Nazi von Douchebag II completely milked it and dragged it along. Yeah. Because he's a dick. dick. Divination was not as much fun. They're starting palmistry, and Trelawney wasted no time in telling Harry that he had the shortest lifelines she'd ever seen. Of course. Sure. But Harry was most excited for Defense Against the Dark Arts, so he could ask Lupin about his anti-Dementor lessons. Which is where the movie comes in. Well, not with Harry asking about them, but with the actual lessons themselves. Yeah, in the book, they set the lessons for 8 o'clock on Thursday evening. Which was the answer we were looking for in our trivia question. Yep. They plan to meet in the History of Magic classroom, and then as Harry and Ron walk away, Ron notes that Lupin still looks ill and wonders what's wrong with him. 
Hermione is nearby, repacking her books into her bag, and gives a loud tut, saying that it's obvious. Ron assumes that she doesn't actually know and is just trying to get them to talk to her again. And none of this is included. Mostly because they streamline things, but also since Ron and Harry never stopped talking to her, since she never got the firebolt confiscated, since Harry hasn't yet received said firebolt. That was a good sum up. Thanks. But then the chapter jumps right to 8 o'clock on Thursday evening for Harry's first lesson. Which is where the movie starts right in. There's another Whomping Willow-related transition where it shakes off all the snow, and then the scene cuts to Lupin and Harry for the lesson. I don't think it's the history of Magic Classroom, like the book says. I guess it's just the Defense Against the Dark Arts room? But like, what the fuck is with all the rando spine candles? Is Lupin moonlighting? Pun intended. (laughs) As a chiropractor or something? The moonlighting chiropractor. (laughs) It's clearly gotta be his day job, it can't be his night job. Obviously. Obviously. They are really strange and creepy candles, though. Mm -hmm. In the scene, there's some minor detail changes, aside from the location of the lessons. Harry arrives at the History of Magic classroom and has to wait about five minutes for Lupin to show up, heaving a large packing case. The movie kind of makes it look like Lupin is just chilling up in a sort of balcony area in the room, waiting for Harry to arrive. Because he's up there, leaning against the railing, and welcomes Harry. He then walks down the stairs towards him, explaining about the spell he is going to try and teach Harry. The information he gives about the Patronus is pretty true to the book, though the book does, of course, include more details about it. Harry also asks Lupin what the packing case is, and Lupin explains that it contains another Boggart, since it's the nearest they will get to a real Dementor. The movie uses a Boggart too, but Lupin doesn't tell Harry that ahead of time. In both, he explains that he is going to try and teach him a very advanced spell called the Patronus Charm, which is a positive force that acts as a shield between the person who manages to cast it and the Dementor. The book also specifically states that this charm is well beyond ordinary wizarding level, and that it works because a Patronus is made up of the very things that Dementor feeds off of, but cannot feel despair, so it can't be hurt by it. Yeah, instead of these details in the movie, Lupin just goes on to tell Harry that he needs to think of a very happy, powerful memory to make it work. This is basically what the book says as well, but Harry also asks what a Patronus looks like, and learns that each one is unique to the Conjurer. He then asks how you conjure it. Lupin tells him that you use an incantation that only works if you're focusing on a single, very happy memory. In the movie, Lupin instructs Harry to close his eyes and think of a happy memory and to let it fill him up. In both, Harry tries to think of a memory. The book specifically points out that none of these memories will center around the Dursleys. Well, of course not. They are the satchels of assholes. Right? But Harry settled on the first time he wrote a broom. Which is the same in the movie, but since we don't hear Harry's inner monologue, we find that out in a few minutes. In both, Lupin tells him the incantation, Expecto Patronum, and has Harry repeat it. In the movie, he walks over to a large trunk and tells Harry, Wand at the ready. In the book, Harry already has his wand out, because a little silvery wisp came out of the end of his wand as he practiced saying Expecto Patronum. It made him very excited. In the movie, Harry pulls his wand out of his pocket, and Lupin says, Shall we? Then lifts the lid on the trunk. In the book, he asks if Harry is ready to try it on a Dementor, and Harry struggles to keep his mind on flying, because he thinks about how he might hear his mother again. In both, Lupin lifts the lids on the respective cases, and a Dementor rises out. In the book, 
the lamps flicker and the Dementor steps from the box and moves silently towards Harry, drawing a deep, rattling breath. Because Dementors can't fucking fly. Except in the movie, because the Dementors can fucking fly. And the Dementor glides up and hovers in the air, looming towards Harry, because it's fucking flying. Did I mention it's flying? Because it's flying. It's fucking flying. Is the Dementor flying? Dementor's fucking flying. That's not okay. It's just not. Plus, there aren't any lamps. But there are creepy fucking spine candles. Though some of those do go out too. So, there's that. In both, Harry calls Expecto Patronum, and nothing really happens. Yeah, he struggles to say it again, and the book describes it as the classroom and the Dementor dissolving, as he begins to hear his mother's voice louder than ever, screaming, Not Harry! Not Harry! Please! I'll do anything! And he hears Voldemort's voice telling her to stand aside. The movie shows this with an iris in as the screen goes black, and we once again hear his mother scream Harry's name. The scene opens back up with an iris out, like Harry is waking back up. I love how they use the iris in and out. It feels like we're experiencing what Harry is experiencing. Yeah, exactly. Then Lupin helps Harry to his feet, telling him he didn't think he'd be able to actually do it right away. Well, thanks for setting me up for failure, dick. You can expect O.D.'s nuts. Patro, no, you didn't. It's not setting someone up for failure to get them to try something new and challenging. He was encouraging him. Remember, it's an extremely high-level spell. Could have been like, now you don't get it, though, dude. This is really hard. You might not get it the first time. He did in the book. Well, he didn't in the movie. That's not how it happened in the book. That's how it happened in the movie. And then, you know what else happened in the movie? Lupin offers some chocolate to help. In the book, Harry finds himself lying on the floor... And Lupin asks if he's all right, also giving him chocolate to eat before they try again. Harry tells him that it's getting worse, that she was louder and he could hear Voldemort. Lupin asks if he wants to continue, and Harry insists that he does. In the movie, Harry says, that's one nasty Dementor. And this is when Lupin tells him that it was actually a Boggart. He then relights the spine candles that went out and tells Harry that the real thing would be so much worse. Okay, so that comment was less than encouraging. Right? (laughs) Sorry, kid. Not only did you suck at attacking the fake Dementor, this was easy compared to the real thing. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Lupin's a little bit of a dick right here. He also asks Harry what memory he was thinking of, and this is when Harry tells him that it was the first time he wrote a broom. Lupin says, that's not nearly good enough. Well, sorry my childhood wasn't happy enough for you, Lupin. In case you hadn't heard, my parents were ganked when I was an infant, and I was raised by people who put the vile in revilement. Forgive me if pickings are slim in the happy memory orchard. (laughs) Happy memory orchard. (laughs) In the book, Lupin is much more diplomatic. No memory shaming. He just tells Harry that he might want to select another memory since that one didn't seem strong enough. Harry decides to focus on Gryffindor winning, and Lupin lifts the lid a second time. Harry begins yelling Expecto Patronum and is immediately overtaken by that white fog again. But this time, he hears a man's voice saying, Lily, take Harry and go. It's him. Go. Run. I'll hold him off. This did not happen in the movie. Which I think is a shame. Harry ends up back on the floor and Lupin literally has to slap him awake. And then he opens his eyes and he mumbles that he heard his dad. His face is wet with sweat and tears and he pretends to tie his shoe to hide his face from Lupin, who in a very strange voice says, You heard James? 
Yeah, considering that the movie significantly downplayed his friendship with James, I can kind of see why they didn't include this. But it is a very powerful moment. Right? Mm -hmm. This is when Harry realizes that Lupin knew his dad and finds out they were friends at Hogwarts. I really wish they'd used this detail in the movie. I think it's huge for Harry to have that connection with Lupin. Well, not to mention it's important for Lupin to have that connection with Harry, too. Yeah. Makes me sad. Mm -hmm. Plus, it left this big gaping hole where you're just like, okay, so he knows his mom and he knows his dad, but they don't really know each other, do they? Or do they? Do they? Yeah, it just, it like they brought up the details and never tied them together. Yeah. But then Lupin tells Harry that maybe they should leave it there for now, and Harry begs for one more go. He says that his memory just wasn't happy enough and racks his brain for a really, really happy memory. This is where it lines back up with the movie. After Lupin tells Harry that his memory sucked, Harry wanders over to one of the spine candles and begins to play with the flame. Because, you know, that's a great call. Stick your hand in fire, Harry. Way to go. He says that there is another memory, but it's complicated. What I want to know is why wouldn't Harry's happiest memory be the first time he stepped into Hogwarts, though? Like, or, I don't know, when he found out he was a wizard? Or... When he made his first friend? Something. Come on. Well, that basically is what it was in the book. Harry decides on the moment he learned that he was a wizard and would be leaving the satchels of assholes behind to go to Hogwarts. So for the third time, Lupin lifts the lid off the case and the Bogart Dementor rises out. In the movie, Lupin asks if Harry's complicated memory is strong enough and Harry nods. He opens the trunk for the second time, and the flying Boggart Dementor floats up out of it and leans towards Harry, who yells, Expecto Patronum, twice. A brilliant white light spreads from his wand and creates a barrier that repels the Dementor. The book describes this differently. He bellows Expecto Patronum three times, and a silvery shadow bursts from the end of his wand and hovers between Harry and the Dementor. His legs feel like water, and he can still slightly hear the screaming, but it's significantly muted for the moment. Lupin steps forward and cries, Ridiculous! which turns the Dementor back into this silvery orb, as he forces it back into the packing case. In the movie, Harry uses the light barrier to force the Dementor back into the trunk, as Lupin laughs and lowers the lid, telling Harry, Well done! Harry says that he thinks he's had enough for the day, and Lupin gives him more chocolate to eat, because it really helps. In the book, Harry actually begs for another chance. So, like, in the movie, they had him say he thinks he's done for the day. And in the book, he's like, let me try again. So movie Harry's a bit of a bitch. I guess. <laughs> but Lupin tells him not now and gives him a large bar of Honeyduke's chocolate. They plan on the same time next week, but before Harry leaves, he asks Lupin about Sirius Black, saying that if he knew his father, he must have also known Black. Lupin seems pretty tense as he questions why he's asking, but relaxes when Harry says that he just knew they were friends at Hogwarts. Lupin said he knew him, or thought he did, but then sends Harry back to his common room. This conversation doesn't happen in the movie. Instead, Lupin tells Harry that he thinks he would have given his father a run for his money, and that is saying something. Harry then tells Lupin that he was thinking about him, and his mum. He was seeing their faces, and they were just talking to him. He says he doesn't even know if it's real or not, but it's the best he has. Again, I don't know why they would have changed that from the book. Yeah, it's an interesting change for sure. We should make this a Potter pondering to see if our keepers have any insight. Ooh, I also want to know what their happy memories would be. Ooh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. But this is where the movie scene ends. 
Harry fought off a fake Dementor with a fake memory, so that should translate perfectly once it's time to face the real thing. <laughs> Definitely. Unsurprisingly, the book chapter goes on a bit more. We learn that Ravenclaw plays Slytherin in Quidditch and loses, which puts Gryffindor back in the running. If they can beat Ravenclaw too, they will be in second place. Olive Herwood has them training five times a week, so with his anti-dementor lessons, Harry only has one night to do his homework. Even with all that, Hermione is showing far more strain than he is, which leaves Ron wondering how she's getting through all of her classes since half of them are at the same time and she hasn't missed any of them. The movie opted for playing up Hermione's random appearances in a more comedic way, with Ron's regular where-did-she-come-from lines and looks. It was all that was really needed to establish some kind of mystery around Hermione. Yeah, in the book, Harry doesn't even have time to think about it because he's trying to get an essay Snape assigned finished. But he's interrupted again by the next fanatical all of her wood moment, and this is one of my favorites. He tells Harry that McGonagall got a bit, er, shirty with him, <laughs> said his priorities are wrong. Apparently, she thinks he cares more about winning the Quidditch Cup than Harry staying alive. I can't imagine why she would think that. It's beyond me. Mm -hmm. All he said was that he didn't care if the broom threw him off as long as he caught the snitch first. God. <laughs> God, I wish we could have seen that. <laughs> this would have been so great. It's just so Oliver Wood. Yes, it is very Oliver Wood, indeed. That's what I said. <laughs> But Olive Herwood suggests he starts looking into another broom, saying he could get a Nimbus 2001. Harry flat out refuses to buy anything that Malfoy thinks is good, and instead of ordering a new broom, he just continually asks McGonagall if he can have the Firebolt back. Well, I mean, he has a perfectly good broom once she's done checking it for Jinxes. Why would he want to buy another one? I don't know. I kind of understand. I know. I totally her. do, too. Like, I just, but it just makes me think of, like... You know, like the, are you done yet? Yeah. Are you, are you done, done yet? yet? Are, are you, you done, done yet? yet? Are you, you done, done yet? yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it. By the 12th time, she finally tells him to stop badgering her. She will let him know when they are done yet. <laughs> and once again, none of these details can be included since that's not how it happened in the movie. The book also shows more than one anti-dementor lesson. Harry gets very consistent at producing an indistinct Patronus, but isn't making as much progress as he would like. Lupin tells him that as a 13-year-old, this is a huge achievement. He also feels confident that if the Dementors show up at the next match, Harry will be able to keep them at bay long enough to get back to the ground. Which makes more sense than in the movie, when it looks like he only had the one lesson. Right. But Lupin rewards Harry by offering him a beverage from the three broomsticks that he'll have never tried before. And without thinking, Harry says, Butterbeer, yeah, I like that stuff. Then he has to cover and pretend that Ron and Hermione brought him some back from Hogsmeade. Yeah, good cover, Harry. I doubt Lupin is suspicious at all. Hmm. He's so good at lying, isn't he? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Harry? Fifth greatest skill. <laughs> right. Harry had never even tried it in the movie, since they did the three broomstick scenes completely differently. It's also not that important of a detail, really. No, but while they're drinking their butter beers, Harry asks what's under a Dementor's hood. Lupin explains that the only people who would truly know aren't in any state to tell anyone. A Dementor only lowers its hood to use its last and worst weapon, the Dementor's kiss. He goes on to explain that they must have some sort of mouth 
because they clamp their jaws onto the mouth of their victim and suck out their soul. The movie portrays the Dementor's kiss a little bit differently. We'll talk more about the specifics of it later when we get to that part. But in general, the movies made them more unearthly than how the books described them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. But the outcome is essentially the same. Yeah. Lupin explains that after the soul gets sucked out, they're left as basically an empty shell. He also tells Harry that this is the fate that awaits Sirius Black, and Harry says that he thinks he deserves it. He also kind of wants to tell Lupin about what he overheard in the three broomsticks, but doesn't want to admit that he snuck to Hogsmeade without permission. I do think this conversation would have been nice to show in the movie. They could have included it as part of the scene we did see after Harry talked about thinking about his parents. Like, he could have just asked more about the Dementors. Yeah, especially since it explains what nearly happens later on in the film. I think it was a mistake to cut this part out. All right, same here. But Harry finishes his butterbeer and heads back to his common room, running into Professor McGonagall along the way. She has been looking for him to finally return the firebolts, because she's done now. She done now? She done now. She done now. I just want the image of her poking Harry with the firebolt going, I'm done, I'm done now. now. I'm, I'm done, done now. now. I'm done now. <laughs> He's super excited and rushes back towards the Gryffindor Tower. Ron meets up with him before he can get there, and the two excitedly talk about the broom as they head to their common room. At the portrait hole, they find Sir Cadogan refusing to let Neville in because he can't remember the password. Neville is insisting that he had them all written down, but must have lost them somewhere. In one of the deleted scenes with Sir Cadogan, Neville does mention that he keeps changing the passwords and he's taken to keeping a list. But this is the closest the movie comes to making a reference to this part of the book. And then they didn't even use that scene or any of the fallout from it. Yeah, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. For now, Harry and Ron let Neville into their common room, and Harry is immediately swarmed by Gryffindors raving about the firebolt. After ten minutes of that, Ron and Harry head over to Hermione to make up with her. Ron then offers to take the broom upstairs for Harry because he has to give Scabbers his rat tonic. Harry sits down with Hermione and asks how she's been getting through all her work, and she looks extremely tired as she says she's been working hard. Hermione in the movie never really looks exhausted. Like I said before, they keep the mystery more to her appearing suddenly out of nowhere and don't really focus on the ridiculous workload she has taken on. Yeah, Harry suggests that she should drop a couple of subjects, which just seems to scandalize Hermione. But before they can get too far into the topic... Ron comes back downstairs bellowing about blood on his sheets, scavers missing, and cat furs found at the scene of the crime. And we've now come to the end of the chapter. This will get alluded to in the movie, but it's in the next scene. We decided to include it for next week because the specific conversation lines up a little better with the start of the chapter. And also, if we didn't include it in next week's episode, I would literally have nothing to talk about yet again. Yeah, next week is going to be a lot like last week's episode, with very little corresponding to the book chapter. Yep. Not the first, and certainly won't be the last. For now, we have reached the end of this week's compare and contrast section. Since Lupin and Harry were the only two characters in this movie scene, we don't actually have any actors to talk about. So, this will bring us to our Potter pondering. We have two again. Yay! Our first one is, why do you think they changed Harry's happy memory from the book to the movie? And our second one is, what memory would you choose to concentrate on while casting a Patronus? For me, I think it would be when Len and I eloped to Gatlinburg. Yeah, I would really like to say something super sappy about my husband and my child. 
but I really kind of think it might actually be being in England. <laughs> There's a good chance that I was just as happy the first time I got to go to Harry Potter World, too. Yeah. <laughs> Find our post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. We really look forward to reading these. And this will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Devin McCarty. He writes, I am a Gryffindor. My wand is cedar wood with a dragon heartstring core, 12 and a half inches in unbending flexibility. My Patronus is a Mastiff. An English teacher I had in high school asked me to stay after class one afternoon. She was holding a book and told me there was an author by the name of J.K. Rowling that was working her way through a new series of books that might really resonate with me. Apparently something called The Goblet of Fire had just come out and things at a place called Hogwarts were looking a little shaky. She handed me a paperback book with this dorky-looking kid sitting on a broomstick like he was about to slam headfirst into a pillar. If I liked it, she said I could keep it. That was 20 years ago. I'm currently halfway through the book with my six-year-old daughter. Gotta make sure we keep passing on the wand, you know? I also have a podcast called Retcon Air, the Plotline Repair Podcast, and my friend Shelby and I did an episode on Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Neat. Right? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your sorting hat story, Devin. I have your podcast on my list to listen to next time I'm in my car. Retcon Air, the Plotline Repair. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, it really does. I like that that rhymes, too. Mm -hmm. Well, we're suckers for rhyming. We so are. There's that. If you can't tell by our intro. What? Crazy talk. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, the wood, core, and length, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can find the pin post on our Facebook page and share it there, or just message it to us. This week's trivia question is, how many galleons does Percy bet Penelope Clearwater on the outcome of the match? The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag no sabotage, will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, that's not how it happened in the book, that's not how it happened in the movie, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. You can also go to our website at justkeeprolling.com to check out our Just Keep Rolling and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. We also have all of the links for everything that we've talked about here to make them extra easy for you to find. Including where you can go to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where we post our weekly podcast episodes, future cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. Like the one we made tonight, giving a tour of our recording studio. And then join us next week when we talk about Chapter 13, Gryffindor vs. Ravenclaw and the not-so-corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling. Thank you.